are taking you to the stars this week with space news, questions about Google's artificial intelligence, Australia's creepy crawly solution to plastic, Ireland's flying boat, and a sweet rescue from a chocolate factory. Over here! Hey, 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 listen up! New, new, newsy! Newsy Palooza! Hello, I'm Leela. And I'm Lindy. Newsy Palooza, the coolest news bowl for curious kids and adults. Welcome to our summer special quick dips into the Newsy Palooza, followed by a fabulous episode swap with some of our dorkiest podcasting friends this week. That would be the fabulous Dork Tales Storytime Podcast and their hidden histories. But first, let's dive on into this week's news with the Big News Story. Of the week. The head of NASA has confirmed the space agency will be officially investigating if aliens have already visited the Earth. And when Bill Nelson says aliens, he means organic or robotic. Yes, they're going to try and figure out what those tic-tac-looking unidentified aerial phenomenon were that Navy pilots saw on their radar back in 2004. Ooh, freaky. Speaking of robots, a new type of artificial skin developed at the University of Glasgow could give robots near-human levels of sensitivity to touch. Creepy. (laughs) Speaking of creepy, did you hear that Google has sent home an employee for saying that the company's artificial intelligence chatbot, you know, the computer programs designed to simulate conversation with humans, like at a bank or an airline online, was actually sentient? Sentient is a fancy way of saying the AI is able to perceive or understand things, like a human. OMG. OMG. My turn to be the robot. (laughs) Moving on. It's the call of nature. Nature. Get on your safari suit or squeeze into your scuba gear. gear. And get ready to hop into a jeep or a submarine. Submarine. Because Mother Nature is calling. Nature. We all know plastic pollution is a big problem, and we've discussed many solutions on Newsy Palooza before. But never one as creepy-crawly as this. We're talking about plastic-eating superworms. Yuck! (laughs) Researchers in Australia have discovered a beetle that can eat a type of plastic called polystyrene. That's one of the most common forms of plastic, like for making styrofoam. And it's not easy to recycle, getting into our water streams and possibly even our own bodies. Enter the larvae of a certain species of beetle, usually called a superworm. Which can eat through polystyrene, thanks to some special stuff in their gut called enzymes. We're happy to say that the researchers are trying to replicate or copy this enzyme in a lab. And then use that to gobble up the world's excess plastic and not deploy an army of superworms. Thank goodness for that. It's time for... Technology News. Technology News. Have you seen the new flying boat launched in Northern Ireland? Epic! And when Leela says flying, she means it looks like it's flying. 
But the reality is just as cool, trust me. Because this vessel has special hydrofoil wings, which are wing-like blades attached to the bottom of the boat. They rev up, push the boat up and out of the water, picking up speed, and pretty much looking like it's flying. And did we mention this 10-ton vessel that can carry 12 people is also eco-friendly electrical powered? Whoa, no nasty diesel in the water with this boat. Impressive. And finally. Step right up, step right up, step right up. Have a go the lucky dip machine. The lucky dip machine. What's it going to be today? today, eh? An oddball, no doubt. An oddball, no doubt. Now, getting trapped somewhere is no fun at the best of times. But imagine if you were trapped in a vat of chocolate. Delish, or what? Unless you don't like chocolate. Yes, if you don't like chocolate, this would be your worst nightmare. But who doesn't like chocolate? <laughs> Firefighters had a strange call from the Mars M&M candy factory in the U.S. state of Pennsylvania a few days ago. Two people doing maintenance on a tank partially filled with chocolate, well, they fell in! Yum! I'm not sure how yum it was. The rescuers had to cut a hole out of the bottom to release them from the sugary sludge. It's still yum! (laughs) (laughs) It's unclear how they fell in or if they were injured, though they were taken to the hospital for evaluation. Talk about a sticky situation. (laughs) (laughs) Nice one. Alrighty then, we'll be back next week with more Wacky World News. But now... It's time for a hidden history from the Dorktail Storytime podcast. You might want to get your swimsuit on for this one. Or stay out of the water entirely. Yeah, come to think about it. Hello, Dork Squad. I'm Jonathan Cormer, and you're listening to Dorktail Storytime. John in Character presents... Hidden Heroes of History! Stories that make you wonder, Hey, how did I not know that? Featuring your historian-in-chief, Jonathan Cormer. <clears throat> oh, uh, and his trusty hedgehog sidekick, Reginald T. Hedgehog. Hey, Reg, I got your note. Uh, did I make it? Oh, Jonathan... Thank goodness! You're just in time! I found your note taped to my door when I got back home from running errands. Hang on, here. <clears throat> Jonathan, this is an urgent message. Please do not delay. Do not let anything keep you for long. It's important that you read this missive and respond promptly. And do not get held up. Do you understand? Please take a moment to think. Do you really understand how urgent this is? Good. Here is the message. The fantasy is at low tide. Come to Biblio Beach. Uh, you know, I, I feel like you could have made that urgent message a bit shorter. But I still made it. Yes, you did. Now come over here and take a look. Ah. <gasps> Wow! Tide pools are just incredible, aren't they? Look at those starfish! And those beautiful barnacles! My favorite are the sea anemone... The sea anemone... The cinnamon... 
Anemone? Anemone? M&M's? Oh, no, that's a, that's a candy. Uh, anemones. 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 Don't worry, I trip up on that word, too. Oh, yes, uh, those colorful and bright tide pool residents. Did you know they're named after a flowering plant? I did not. That's just splendid. Hey, wait a second. That crab over there looks awfully familiar. Where? Over there, by that patch of coral. Oh, oh, yes. That's my good friend, Claudius Kelp Kipper the Crab. Uh, 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 oh, Claude! Yoo-hoo! Claude, over here! Why, hello, Reg and Jonathan. What brings you to this fine establishment? We wanted to observe all of the amazing creatures in this tide pool. But it's an added bonus that we get to see you, my friend. Ha! <laughs> ah, oh, shucks. <laughs> uh, so how's the sea treating you? It's all radical waves and very good breezes out here. Seen any fun ocean buddies recently? Ah, uh, just the usual. I saw Donna and Greta, the dolphins that get together to gossip just off the shore. Uh, saw the Lumens, too. That jellyfish family who are always glowing along. <laughs> oh, and a new shark or two just arrived. Oh, yeah, and uh, Jerry the Sea Cucumber. Oh, that's incredible. Always so much to see out here in the surf. Anyways... I should probably scuttle along, meeting up with some friends to play a game of cards before high tide. Bye, you two. Yes, bye-bye, uh, 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 Claude. Yeah, see you later. Wow, it was great to run into Claude, wasn't it, Reg? Uh, Reg? Hmm? Oh, it's, it's nothing. I, just a, a shock? That's... That's terrifying. I, I can't believe Claude saw a, a, a real shark. You know, sharks are really fascinating creatures, Reg. Even though they do get a bad reputation in the media. Oh, I don't know, Jonathan. All I see are real fearsome beasts. I mean, have you seen their teeth? Hmm. You know... I actually think I have the perfect historic hero to introduce you to, Reg. I think she will convince you that there's more to sharks than meets the eye. And who would that be? Eugenie Clark. And uh, what, pray tell, did Ms. Clark do? She was an ichthyologist. An icky whatogist? An ichthyologist. Ichthyology is the study of fish. Ooh, that does sound fascinating. Now, I want you to keep an open mind while you hear Miss Clark's story. Who knows? You might change your tune about sharks by the end of the tale. <sighs> All right, I'm listening. Miss Clark developed her passion for marine biology at a very young age. Uh, marine biology, which is the study of oceans and ocean life, right? Exactly. At nine years old... She went to the New York Aquarium every Saturday while her mom worked at a nearby magazine stand. She must have felt how we do when we're exploring these tide pools, fascinated by the many wonders of the sea. I think so, Reg. She dreamed of swimming with the fish in the aquarium. It's where she developed her love for the ocean and every creature in it, including sharks. Ooh, I find that hard to believe.
Ms. Clark went to school and received her doctorate in zoology. While she was studying, she was also doing research for incredible institutions, like the American Museum of Natural History in New York City. Oh, you've told me about that place. A museum filled to the brim with knowledge about our universe and the natural world. That's correct. And they have dinosaur bones. Yes. I just love dinosaurs. Me too. <sighs> they move in herds. They do move in herds. All right, enough dreaming, Dr. Grant. You know storytelling finds a way. Toward the end of her time in school, Ms. Clark received a Fulbright scholarship to pursue ichthyological studies at the Red Sea in Egypt. A Fulbright scholarship? What's that? It's a prestigious award given to students so they can conduct research, teach, and share their talents in different countries. And the Red Sea in Egypt? Ooh, that sounds exciting. It was. And it was a very unexplored region when Ms. Clark went to conduct her research there. She observed 300 fish species, including three that were previously undiscovered. Extraordinary! Now, when are you getting to the bit about sharks? I'll need to brace myself. Right now. Oh no, here it comes. Ms. Clark founded Cape Hayes Marine Laboratory in Florida. It's now known as Moat Marine Laboratory. She was fascinated by sharks and spent thousands of hours studying their habits and behaviors. For instance, she observed that some sharks don't move while sleeping, indicating that not all sharks have to continuously move in order to breathe. Now, I didn't know that at all. I thought all sharks had to move to breathe. Yeah, me too. And she realized that while they can be dangerous at times, just like many other animals, they're not as fearsome as we think they are. But how did she discover all of this, Jonathan? I can't imagine it is easy to study underwater creatures when you can't breathe underwater yourself. Well, throughout her career, she conducted 72 submersible dives. Submersibles? Oh, uh, those are small water vehicles that can go to great depths. Kind of like a submarine, but they operate a bit differently. Ah, I see. Alongside her submersible dives, she also kicked off a new way of conducting underwater research. Most people weren't scuba diving in order to study ocean life. She really was a pioneer of the practice. You don't say... She would lead more than 200 field research expeditions around the world throughout her career. And she completed her very last dive at 92 years old. Incredible. So, let me get this straight. She swam with sharks? She did indeed. She even rode on the back of a 50-foot whale shark. The largest shark in the world? Why would she ever do such a thing? She felt it was the only way to appropriately learn about the shark. A brave endeavor. Ms. Clark spent a lot of time educating the public about sharks and tried to clear them of their bad reputation. She gave lectures, taught at a university, and wrote two books and over 175 articles. 
She must have cared about the creatures a great deal. Oh, absolutely. Did I mention that she also worked on 24 television specials? And one of the first IMAX films? Well, that is certainly impressive, Jonathan. If she felt that sharks weren't the absolutely terrifying beasts of the great ocean depths after all of that time, I suppose I can trust her. Let me share a few more facts that might help you get over your fear, Reg. Oh, please do. I'd love to be brave like Ms. Clark. Well, there are over 300 species of sharks in the ocean. And only about a dozen of those are actually known to have ever attacked humans. Or hedgehogs. I, uh, uh, right. I mean, but there aren't that many hedgehogs that live near or in the water, Reg. Fair enough. Sharks are often either confused or just investigating what they think are strange objects in the water when they attack. And these occurrences are extremely rare and often survivable. But in the media, many people focus on the bad and forget about all of the details surrounding these encounters. Except for Ms. Clark. Ms. Clark wanted to get rid of assumptions about sharks' behavior in an attempt to ensure that they remain safe. It was important to make sure ocean environments would be preserved. You know better than anyone, Reg, that every part of a habitat plays an important role in survival. That's so true. Ms. Clark focused a great deal on studies that would keep sharks and humans safe. For instance, she discovered a fish in the Red Sea called the Mosasol that secretes a natural shark repellent. It temporarily confuses them so the fish can get away unharmed. This discovery launched research aimed at preventing harmful shark and human interactions. So both parties would be safe. That's right, Reg. All right, you've convinced me. It seems as though sharks aren't as scary as I once thought. Though I may not be too quick to dive into waters and swim with them myself. <laughs> yeah, I understand, Reg. You can leave that to the new generations of shark ladies. Shark ladies? Oh, right. Uh, Eugenie Clark earned an affectionate nickname during her life. The Shark Lady. Sounds like a superhero name, doesn't it? And uh, you imagine generations of future scientists have been inspired by her daring deeds? Oh, absolutely. Well, this little hedgehog is mighty inspired. A day full of excellent discoveries. I knew that the tide pools would be a worthy excursion. This is an inspiring place. So many more creatures we haven't even seen. Sea snails. Sea sponges. Sea urchins. Claude playing cards. Ah, ah yes, marvelous. Let's wander over and see if they'll deal us in. Maybe they'll enjoy hearing the fabulous life and times of the shark lady over a rousing game of cribbage. Oh, I'm so in. After you, Mr. Reg. Mine? 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 Mine, 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 mine. 
Hidden Heroes of History is a John in Character production. This story was written by Molly Murphy and performed by Jonathan Cormer. Sound recording and production by Jermaine Hamilton at Hamilton Sound Studios. Reach out to us on Instagram or email us at dorktalestorytime at gmail.com. Find links in the show notes or go to dorktalestorytime.com. Now, go be the hero of your own story, and we'll see you next Once Upon a Time.